There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by The Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back. Ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. My next guest was recommended by a previous guest, and there are no surprises as to why. Louise Ledbrook is a high-performance executive coach that helps people to transform their life and business to achieve the next level of results they've always dreamed of. With over 20 years of experience in change and transformation management, Louise has refined and developed the tools and techniques needed to achieve immediate and long-lasting results. Aside from focusing on true change that lasts, Louise also has a holistic mindset that sets her apart from the hustle culture of the entrepreneur world. With very similar professional careers, we could have talked forever, but we've saved the best for this episode. Welcome, Louise, to The Ethical Evolution. Hi, thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Now, um, I am so lucky because um, a previous guest of ours uh, recommended you join us. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Ethical Evolution with us. Happy to be here. I'm glad to be part of it. So can you tell us about your background and who you are? Sure. Uh, So I'm Louise Ledbrook. I am... Uh, I suppose I'm the CEO of ProSmart and we've recently just launched a new company called Organize Yourself and um, I am a mum of two girls, a wife, I have a fur baby as well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But essentially these days I'm a high-performance executive coach and a tech entrepreneur. Um, And my background is I have had about over 20 years in change and transformation management and that is a very vague term, I know, for most people. <laughs> so basically, like just when I, I suppose you cut it right down to is I take either a business or a business owner or an executive from where they are to a better place. Mm. And so that might be in some cases, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work with big corporates. So we'll like merge companies or implement new systems or you know, restructure whole companies or fun things like that. But these days I spend most of my time with business owners and the executives themselves. And really what I want them to do is implement practices and processes so they can go to bed before midnight every night, you know, (laughs) just basically get their shit together and so they can have more joy in their life. Mm. Like, you know, working 24 hours a day is not living, you know, and and I'm all for I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. I love my work. I love what I do. But I also love my life that goes around that as well. And I think people get so caught up in the busyness Mm. that they kind of, they get overwhelmed by that busyness and then they just can't see a way 
out of it. Mm. They've just been stuck in it for so long. And so really what I'm trying to help them do is put practices in place so they can still achieve all of those amazing things, but by doing less and reconnecting with that passion that they had in the beginning, like what made them do these things Mm. in the first place and really enjoy life again. My God, Louise, I think you need to kidnap me. Seriously. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I um, I previously worked in uh, innovation in government um, here in Queensland, so um, I completely know where you're coming from. And um, to be able to transform someone's business, I think, is a, is a huge achievement, you know, particularly nowadays, um, you know, how things have changed particularly since the pandemic, you know, a lot of people are trying to be more digital relevant and, um, you know, pivot. I'm going to use the word pivot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, um, so, I mean, how how are you helping people through this really challenging time at the moment? Yeah, so a lot of it is obviously some people have have not been had like an online Mm. operational business before. So my business has been purely online since 2010. Mm. So I have a lot of experience in running uh, an off, you know, not a physical premise. You don't have to go into the office. My, you know, staff all around the world. We can be anywhere and work. And so I was basically through the pandemic, I was just trying to with really simple terms, try and help people understand the small things that they could do and how they can still have a really valuable connected team, mm. even when you're not sitting next to them in the office. Um, and I think uh, it's really important for the sustainability of companies these days that they really embrace that. Because I have seen through the pandemic, obviously, some companies went, right, this is brilliant. Mm. And they saw I don't have to have 10 stories in the middle of the city anymore. I can have half that. And that's a huge cost saving. And environmentally, that's a huge saving. And so I've loved seeing businesses that have embraced that and made sure they find ways to still have a really great operational business Mm. through, you know, this new way of working. But unfortunately, I'm seeing others that are going, no, we love the old way and we want everyone back in the office and the traffic's returning to normal. And I'm Mm. like, did we learn nothing? Did we learn nothing? But, you know, but one of the big things when I've come back to that overwhelmed by busyness, it's funny that all of a sudden working from home, that busyness and that overwhelm dramatically increased for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. Um, One, because they didn't know how to work, so they just had an influx of meetings. Mm. They were like, I can't just walk up to your desk anymore, so I need to book a meeting with you. My default calendar says it's half an hour or an hour and it yeah. could have been a five-minute, I don't know, chat on Skype or, you know, whatever. Um, and so they just learning the new way became really overwhelming for a lot of people. Mm. And so trying to help them find ways to actually streamline their operations, not have an endless work day, Mm. having those boundaries of their work day. Um, You know, like it's great that you can put a runner washing on while you're at (laughs) at work, but you need to finish work. Mm. Um, And so even if that's just a mental finish time, Mm. that was really important. I found during that pandemic, people were just so overwhelmed. They felt like they didn't stop working um, and they had to be accessible all the time. And I'm like, no, you weren't accessible all the time before. Mm. 
you just say I switched off I switched off my computer at six o'clock, you know, like oh. or five o'clock or whatever it happened to be. And um yeah, so really helping people implement those boundaries, find better ways to to work in that digital world. Um, and I just I really hope that people continue to embrace it. I know there's this desire to go back to normal, mm. you know, but what is that? <laughs> we need a new normal. Mm, yeah. The planet needs a new normal. It's like, oh mm. anyway. <laughs> you know what, Louise, there's there's three things that rose up there while you were chatting. Um uh one, <laughs> you know, I most people know that I also work in government, um, as well as, you know, running my own agencies and um one of the things during uh, COVID was that, yeah, um, you know, because we deal with legislation and all those kind of things, mm. everything was changing. And so um, we were doing crazy hours, stupid yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But it comes back to boundaries, you know, and having those in place uh, for all areas of your life, you know, um, you know, for how many hours you do and actually having that space that, that this, this room is work. And yes. that's home because, you know, work is home and people are having a lot of trouble mentally with separating the two. So that yeah. was a big thing. Um, the other thing, you know, about having meetings just for the sake of them because you can now do them online, um, yeah. I, I actually joked today, um, I, I, a workmate brought it up um, that someone was joking they were going to do an app that actually, um, you know, identified whether – a meeting was necessary or whether it just needed to be an email. And I said, yeah, so I think I've already got something in development and it's called No Need to Meet. (laughs) You know, like I just think people waste so much time in these meetings just because it's so much easier now because all you got to do is click a button instead of showing up, you know. Um, Like just look at your time and how much value you can bring. Yeah. And it's because also – and you'd know. I mean, I I, I suppose go, I've, I've worked in financial services. Basically, it's mm. government. You know, the, mm. <laughs> it's the yeah. same sort of beast. And it's like everything is urgent, so we must meet now. And you're yeah. like, okay, let's meet now. I'm like, and then they don't do anything with it for two weeks. I'm like, wasn't it urgent? <laughs> like, I'm like, where's the fire? Stay back till eight o'clock <laughs> for that meeting, and yeah. now what? You know. Yeah. Like, so it's it's that also um, creating that slowness and stopping and thinking about like being Mm. intentional and going actually is it worth my time to be in that right now and is it really urgent like what really happens if we don't do that today you know like Mm. just really questioning ourselves and our actions and valuing our time like Mm. we all have the same amount of it yeah but how well we use it varies dramatically. <laughs> that is it, you know, like, and I was just thinking today, God, like when I look at how much I pack into a day and what other people do, I'm just like, wow, geez, yeah. you know, people wonder how I do two jobs and a million other things. But, you know, <laughs> it's about efficiency and it's about valuing yeah. your time and 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 what you provide. And, yeah. you know, the other thing you were talking about there, um, you know, about, um, you know, organisations uh, bringing people back to the, the workplace since the pandemic, um, I, I'm really proud to say that the organisation I'm a part of has actually permanently put in place a temporary in-office situation. So, yeah. um, you know, 70% of the workforce will be on the floor at any one time to the point where we've reduced our footprint by a quarter. 
Exactly. Like, like, isn't that amazing? You like, know. I just, why are we not just for the that? Mm. Why are we not doing it just because of that? You know, it's, like to reduce our footprint. Like that's. It makes money anyway. sense, right? <laughs> like it does. Yeah. Like it's it's anyway, and all of all of the <laughs> factors make sense, and I I get that. Um, the biggest reason that people are reluctant is because they don't know how to build relationships mm. when they're not face to face. And I get that, but I think it's about enforcing principles and guidelines to yeah. make sure you still build those relationships. So one thing I'm seeing is they have Zoom calls, but people won't turn on their cameras to mm. say, if you're in a Zoom call, camera put your on. camera on. Yeah. You know, like it's that's the that's the policy we have. We've made it available to you. Put your camera on. Mm. Like I know it seems really s- small, but it's enough. Because my husband started a new job during the pandemic, mm. and he's like, I didn't meet anyone for six months face exactly. to face. Yeah, and maybe one person. He had to go in the office get his laptop. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> so he met one person, mm. and then people weren't turning their cameras on. He goes, I could walk past my whole team in the street, and I would have known. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Like, like yeah. there's just people think that there's no longer this transparency, but you know. And then when you do go into the office, it's super weird, you know. Like, yeah, it's like oh, I haven't seen you in ages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, Louise, I've got to ask you. Sure. What would you say is your mission? I just have a tiny one, a little one, just a little <laughs> to one to change the world. Mm? No. Oh, cool. we're on board. Well, no. It's really more I want to be part of a movement of mm. change, mm. you know, and selfishly mm. I have two beautiful girls mm. and in their lifetime we are going to run out of resources mm. on this planet, in their lifetime, which is frightening. Like it seriously scares the Jesus out of me. <laughs> and And so I'm like my mission is that we know enough today Everyone knows enough today that they can be part of solving this. Mm. Every individual needs to be part of solving this. We can't just leave this up to it's the government's problem. You know, they haven't got climate change policy. No. Yeah, but what are you doing? Mm. You know, so my mission is how do we share what we can all do and then everyone just do a little bit of something. And so like in my technology company, ProSmart, our purpose is growth through leveraging knowledge. And so how are we sharing that knowledge to bring this change that the planet needs? Humanity needs this, right? It's not even like I just don't, what I can't understand is how people aren't afraid of this. Mm. You know, like the planet is running out of food for you. Yeah. You should care about that. And and how are you sharing with other people how you're solving that for your family or your community? Um, you know, like I, what I want is... Well, what we're doing with ProSmart is trying to make sure that that information of how to do amazing things is accessible but in a practical way. Mm. So it's all well and good to kind of YouTube something and get a, a video, but, you know, if it's a big project which supports a whole community and only one community has access to that information, that's not enough. You know, I want to make sure that that one community shares their learnings with all of these other communities that have that, but in a way that they can go, I get how I can then implement that for my community. And so it's, I, I suppose it's about everyone taking responsibility, but then sharing what they know. And so every little piece that we can do, it just kind of, it makes a big change, you know, you know, like just, 
I don't know, recycle for starters, just recycle. <laughs> like I know I just when people literally come to my house and I go through the rubbish after they've been and pull stuff out and go, we have seven recycle, like we have a recycle bin for everything in our house. I'm like, just put it in the right bin. You know, mm-hmm. like I know it seems so small, but it's those small things that build up. And so, yeah, I, for me, it's like I, I want to be part of helping people and showing people that they can all be part of saving the planet that we live on. Like I get we all want to go to Mars or whatever, but like what about this amazing mm. place? I look out my window every day and look at the National Park and go, I am blessed to be in this place and I need to save this for my children. So, yeah, that's a small mission, you know, just to be part of changing the world. <laughs> it's, it's it, Yeah, well, yeah, little mission, but I, I am so stoked to hear that, uh, you know, your mission is so aligned with mine uh, in that, you know, um, every conversation that I'm having globally is all about uh, collective change. Yeah. So, you know, every little thing that everyone does contributes to a, a, a bigger change in the world, you know. So, um, and, you know, I have said in different conversations around the world, you know, like just connecting with other people who are on the same mission as you, collaborating, regardless of whether you're in the same backyard or not. Um, yeah. My gosh, the change you can make together, like, and, you know, uh, people are going to get sick of me saying this, but it needs to be said. I have to keep saying it. (laughs) Is that, um, you know, one of the things that became apparently clear through the pandemic is that, um, you know, what I do today impacts your tomorrow, no matter where you are on the planet, because we're on the same home, right? We're all in this together. So, yeah. So, and just looking at what the pandemic did, one person impacted so many. I know. So, you know, you're in Sydney, I'm in Brisbane. Like, we're not that far away, really, for (laughs) most of my guests who are, like, thousands of kilometres away. But um, still, you know, like, um, we've been through border closures, all kinds of things recently. And one person's actions can impact so many and it's not just a pandemic. It's how you spend your money. It's how you work. It's how you deal with your waste. It's how you live your day, you know, yeah. and this is what this mission is about. And that is why I'm so happy to have you here with me right now because we're so on the same page. Yeah. Well, it's so important and we we just, you know, voices like us need to just keep mm. saying the same thing over and over until – everybody hears and goes, oh, okay, I might start taking a bit of responsibility, you know. Yeah, yeah, like look at yourself, you know, like and, you know, in everything we do as we grow as a business, as you would see this as well in dealing with entrepreneurs is that, you know, you need to look at the ethics behind in what you do because that in itself is your moral compass behind how you move forward and how you impact the planet, how you make decisions, how you run your business you no doubt would come across that every day. Yeah, exactly. And and also, you know, it comes down to working with the right clients that also mm. are on the same mission as well because the more businesses that I can help be mm. more sustainable that are on that same mission, obviously, we're all working towards the, the same thing and the, the bigger change. And it's not that there aren't businesses I mean there are businesses that aren't quite on that same kind of mission Mm. and they're all don't get me wrong they're all valuable businesses 
Um, but for me, it's important that I connect with other businesses that do have a mission behind them that's aligned, even if it's just on a values from a values perspective, because they're the businesses that are going to help change the world. And if they can survive and I can help them be sustainable, then, I, you know, I'm doing my little bit as well. That's just one of the little things that I can do, which grows, you know, depending how big they grow, it, who knows, you know, mm. the change that it could create. Mm. And it's all about that impact, isn't it? It's like, um, you know, minimum effort, maximum impact. So, yeah. And, yeah, and exactly. you know, uh, again, um, uh, Marie, who uh, referred me to you, um, was yeah. exactly the same. So I, I absolutely love um, that, you know, that premise of minimum um, effort, maximum impact. So um, I love that you're doing that too. Thank you. Now, um, can you tell us about, like, some of the businesses that you work with and the impact that it's made? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously in my, my corporate days – the whole, again, a lot of that was about how do we make them run more efficiency and be sustainable because I want even the big guys to survive. I mean, they're supporting thousands of jobs, mm. right? So they're really important. But I want, when I leave an organisation, I want it to be better than when I got there. You know? yeah. And in lots of different ways, but most importantly, a better place to work. Mm. You know, and so that was really, that was my mission when I worked with the corporates was to leave that company a better place to work. Um, and now these days I'm helping, you know, the business owners and executives to just feel lighter and more connected to their passion again. Um, and look, it's not something that happens overnight. It's, you know, it's a bit of a journey and I'm sure you know how hard it is sometimes to if you've been in that state of like working like a chaos and that's kind of your your default, you know, yeah. and also that's the default around you. The whole of society operates that way. It's really hard to kind of shift out of that. But, you know, the skills and the strategies that I teach is about having that less overwhelm and having a more joyous life so you can focus on the things that are actually meaningful. And not just be doing stuff every day, you know. And so, you know, I, for example, I have a wonderful client who recently actually was very excited, just very recently. She's a marketing guru and a psychic medium. You put those together, amazing combination. <laughs> and she just recently had this breakthrough about how she wanted to serve her clients. And it's because slowly she kind of just had to kind of like take the layers off to create the space for her to really understand herself you know and what she really wanted and she was choosing herself like I think that's actually one of the biggest things is for the clients that I work with these days helping them choose themselves and it's really hard I get why it's hard because I want to serve people of course I want to help people I want to save the world you know all these kind of grand things but if I don't choose me I can't help anyone absolutely and so a lot of what I'm I'm doing these days with my clients is helping them kind of un, undo also all of these these habits that we've mm. created or even these beliefs that we've created that we have to be busy to get stuff done mm. and that we have to be we have to work 70 hours a week you know like in some organizations it's basically expected yeah you know I've, I've especially being in financial services I I worked 70 plus hours a week. There were times where I actually thought about just sleeping there and not going home. 
And then I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, like one day I woke up and went, not doing that anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, like it's, but it was almost an unspoken expectation. And so just trying to undo that and, but they can still achieve all the, ama- it's, it's so hard to, it's conceptually, it makes sense because they can see other people doing it. Mm. But in reality, they can't see for themselves how they could possibly achieve more by doing less. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, but, um, you know, I'm a I'm perfect example. I've done a whole lot since doing less. I don't work a gazillion hours a week. I have two kids I and I choose to pick them up from school every day and do all these wonderful things. And so... Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's a very long answer to the question, but basically (laughs) the way that I'm really impacting them is helping them just still achieve more or or even the goals that they had in mind that they just haven't been able to quite reach, being able to help them achieve that by just being more lighter and enjoying life more. That, That feeling of overwhelm is a literal weight on your shoulders. That feeling is actually a physical weight. And so if I can help lift that, like, then my job is done. (laughs) Oh, my God, Louise, I I completely agree with you, you know, and – um, you know, just just everything you said right there. I think I think I've said about ten times on this podcast. But um, you know, uh, when I uh, work with my clients, it's it's exactly the same. You know, like um, you you can't be everything to everyone. Um, yeah. You need to focus on what lights you up. Yeah. And if you're sitting there earning, I don't know, whatever you're earning, yeah, and it's a lot. And you're yeah. not enjoying it. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? I know. What the hell are you doing? Like, and I found that through the depth of the pandemic, like mm. I was the busiest I've ever been, you know, and um, yeah. I was like, I am really digging myself a hole here. And I went, yeah. um, I'm not loving this. And yeah. I was getting paid for it, but I was not loving it. And I got to the point where I went, you know what? My sanity is more important than the money. And um, I just went, you know what, I need to say goodbye to some people. It's going to hurt. It's going to cost me some money. But you know what, I am going to be okay. Yeah. And I was. And, you know, by by living that example and and showing my clients to do the same, like that that stuff's life-changing. Oh, yeah. And so many clients when they first come to me, they're like, I've got 17 major projects running. Mm. You're like... (laughs) <laughs> and how long have you been working on those 17 major projects? Mm. And so like, it, and look, I have been guilty of the same thing. It's not like I haven't done it. I've been there. I've done that. And they just drag and drag. And you never feel, you know, you're kind of t- chipping away at them all, but you never feel like you've really hit Achieved the anything, yeah. And so you can have that all and you can do it all, but not all at once. No, <laughs> and you can't do it alone either. I think that's the other big thing is, yeah. um, you know, I see so many people go, oh, I'm doing all of this and I can do it myself because I'm like powerful and all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, the most yeah. successful people ask for help. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. From people well, who've succeeded. Yeah. I mean, where where the, my clients should be spending their time is where it is their, their genius zone, where they specialise, where, you know, it's something that no one else anywhere could do because it's their IP. Great. You should be doing that thing. 
And if it's not, why are you doing, you know, why are you clicking buttons in zero every month? You know, like just like just things like that, you know, or why did you, why are you creating the invoices from scratch or mm. whatever it is? I'm just like, no, you know, one, a system can probably do it. So let's work out when that can happen first. That's <laughs> and it, then isn't when the it? system can't, then the right person. <laughs> you know, and as, as small business owners, a lot of people think they've got to be, you know, wear so many hats and do so many things when, you know, there's so many automations they can have for themselves or they can get a VA or, you know, have someone take these really low value tasks off their shoulders, you know? Yeah. I think also coming back to the asking for help is really important because you also don't know what you don't know. That's it. And so I actually did a project once. This poor woman, they asked me to come in and look at this, the job of this one woman, and she had this spreadsheet that she worked on for two weeks of every month, this spreadsheet for two, this poor woman, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, we're going to write a macro and it's going to take half an hour a month. I just... I I feel so bad for you that you've been doing this for so long. Well, I didn't even want to tell her I felt so bad. <laughs> but you don't know what you don't know, you know. Yeah. Like, um, and so it's simple things like that that if you don't go out and look for it and ask somebody, you can be doing that terrible thing that you hate for the rest of your life just not knowing that there's a better way. Mm. Yeah, and and even you know, I think you've got to also be open to to listening to, you know, your own evolution and and where you're heading because it's not always yeah. going to be what you think it is. Like just for me, this oh. last week, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, things have shifted. You know, like um, you know, uh, I was going more into uh, business coaching kind of realm, and then yeah. I kind of went, mm, it doesn't quite fit me you know like like you put on a jacket yeah. doesn't quite fit it was yeah. like that and I was like mm, I think I'm a bit deeper than that and so since then I dug down deep and I did some study and mm-hmm. I am now a spiritual coach oh nice so there you go and then sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to work through and 20 that was 2020 for me mm. Um, although I, I love my software company, it's my baby, you know, but it was like, what next for me? And, and how do I actually, because that, that comp- company is great for larger organizations, but how do I help all of these thousands and millions of small businesses who can grow to be big businesses, you know, yeah. and have great ideas, but they just don't know how to either put them into practice or they don't have the funds or they just don't know how to run a business. They have mm. a great idea. But operationally, there's, they're just not aligned to running it. That's fine because not everyone has that. And so, yeah, 2020 for me was discovering how do I help those people? And so same thing, not where I thought I'd end up but yeah. loving it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing when you find, when you let go of all the stuff that doesn't light you up and you, yeah. you, you really tap into what um, aligns with you everything just flows it's it's effortless you know like there's there's no it's not hard work it's not it's not work at all I know (laughs) (laughs) and that it was almost like hang on how do I teach this because I just kind of do this you know (laughs) so yeah but yeah Yeah. no I'm 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 loving working with these with my customers at the moment they're just and they're such beautiful people who just want to do amazing things and yeah, really enjoying it. And so you're attracting the people that you need to help, right? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, through the work that you do, 
What would you yeah. say has been your biggest challenge and how have you overcome it? Oh, so many challenges. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, I thinking about this question, I, I actually think for me my biggest challenge is overcoming the desire or no, de- detaching from the outcomes mm. because I, I see these people and I just, I like, I can so help you and I want to help you so much. And so, but everything happens in their time. Mm. And so I, I have to be comfortable that just because it's not happening or they're not following everything that they should be, that it's not a reflection on me and I'm still valuable, but, and they will get their outcomes in their own time. Like they've come to, to me for a reason. They're in my energy space for a reason and they'll, they'll get what they need to out of it. And I just have to kind of have faith in that because for a long time, that attachment to the outcome really stressed me out. Mm. And so like to the point, the the last time that I let that happen, <laughs> I did a big project for a big corporate and they just wouldn't move. Like they, it was like lip service. Yeah, we need to transform, but we're not really going to do anything that you tell yeah. us to do. And I'm like, but thousands of people, you're getting, you're risking thousands of people by not doing this. And I was like, I was so invested in, in those people. I literally walked out of that project with a tumour in my head. It was like, it was the worst I was so stressed when I left that project and I had to walk away in the end like Mm. without it being finished and I won't even tell you what's happened to that company now (laughs) anyway (laughs) but um but I I had to either I have to walk away from people like that earlier Mm. because they didn't actually want to change or I just detach and do my job and so that that has really been a huge challenge to detach but still own my value at the same time. Mm, I can so relate to that. You know, like I know with my clients, it's like you, you're like your your success is my success and yeah. so oh, I want to own that too but you kind of have to like push it away and go, hang on, you need to own part of this and I'll just do my bit and yeah. whatever happens, happens. And I've really learnt that recently where I've just gone, Mm, okay, not my problem. This is yours yeah. and I'll yeah. do what I can, but you've got to do your bit. So it's a two-way yeah. street, you know. So, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just because that stress is not, it's not healthy for me. No. It's not healthy for them either because they will feel that and then it then permeates into everything. Yeah. So really like just going, I'm showing up. And that's, you know, Mm. and you get to choose what you do with that. And so just really detaching from that outcome has been really important. Mm. So I have to ask you, Louise, what what would you define as being ethical for you? (laughs) That's it. I mean, ethic, I mean, obviously ethical is a personal, very personal Mm. question because it's a a values and morals Mm. based question. Um, and so for me, I suppose the way I operate rightly or wrongly, some people will disagree is greater good. Mm. And so when I have to make a decision, I think it's very important to think of all the possible people or things that I can impact 
and then decide what is the best possible outcome for the majority of those because there'll be ups and downs and some will lose. But even the losers, how do I make sure it's a win or an opportunity for them? Mm. Um, you know, you would you would know like working in government and in large organisations, I would have to go in sometimes and they'd say they'd be like, we need to save $40 million. That mm. means people lose jobs, Yeah, you know. And so that's really hard. So I'm like, okay, I get shareholder and the company itself, you need to save money, but we're going to do this so that the jobs that are left are better than they are today. And the people that don't have jobs, we're going to do everything to support them and give them a better opportunity than the shitty job they were doing today anyway, because it's not, it's not needed anymore. So we're going to get them a better job. And Mm. so it's so how do we not just make a decision, but then the actions we take are about the the greater good. We need to be thinking about all of it and everyone. And, you know, I think the vaccine's a very good example of greater good. It's a tough one, right? Mm. Like people are afraid. It's happened so quickly, you know, and, you know, people are like, I don't want my kids to be vaccinated. I'm like, but if you think about it, all vaccinations are going to have the same problem as any vaccination. People are going to react in different ways. There are going to be people that are going to die from this vaccination. People die from the vaccinations we have in the community today. But imagine if we still had polio in the world today, Mm. you know, like these terrible diseases that are debilitating and and destroy people. Like you don't want that in the community. So I vaccinate my kids. I vaccinate myself because I think I think it's for the greater good. Mm. And so, um, and I know that there's risk, there's always risk in a decision you make for greater good. But that's, I think that's my premise, I suppose, when I think about making an ethical decision. How am I making sure I'm impacting all of the possible groups in the most positive way? And Mm. if I'm impacting them in a negative way, how do I somehow make that positive or an opportunity? And it won't always work, but, you know, that's the way I think about it. <laughs> oh, look, I love that. And, you know, I, I think I say this on every episode is that I, I really love asking that question because there's no wrong answer. The, yeah. This this is an opinion. It is it is how you feel. And, yeah, um, yeah you, you are so right. Like there, there's risk uh, involved in anything um, that we gain. And, you know, it's it's all about weighing up the negative and the positive. And, um, yeah. And I think also making sure that we're not being too short-sighted in our decisions because mm. that can result in, that can also often result in what I think is an unethical decision mm. because we're like, today I need this thing to happen. Okay, that's great. So, like, for example, I need to save $40 million today. Okay, mm. great. But if you then kind of look at the future, if you get rid of those jobs today, what's the impact? In a year or two years, there's a space for them. Mm. And so, like, how can we like be making sure that we're doing it in a sustainable way? So we're not just literally because I I've seen it, and you might have seen it in government as mm. well. They just slice people out, you know, just to remove cost. That is not an ethical way to reduce cost in your organization. It's not sustainable, and we're not thinking far enough into the future. We're mm. being too short-sighted. And I think that lens is really important from an ethical perspective about the decision we make as well. Sorry, I have a child coming. (laughs) (laughs) 
I want to call Ellie. Oh. Sorry. Ellie's <laughs> kitty. She's coming to find the cat. So. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Um. <laughs> Sorry. I knew that was going to happen. At some point. <laughs> Look, I couldn't agree more, you know, like, um, and I, I have seen it myself as well, you know, is actually looking at, um, you know, the, the long-term effects of change. Yeah. And I, I, you know, change management, I think, is something that you would probably deal with every day as well. And yeah. and looking at, okay, the decisions we, and again, coming back to what I said before, the decisions we make today, how do they impact tomorrow? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, it's not just about the people, but it's about the circumstance yeah. and and how they interact in that. Yeah, exactly. So, so I couldn't yeah. agree more. So um, what are your uh, future plans at the moment? What are you working on? Um, so I think the, my biggest thing at the moment is um, really focusing on helping these small businesses and executives um, with, you know, basically coming out of overwhelm so they can achieve more by doing less. And so that's my real focus. So the more businesses that I can help grow and survive and be sustainable because um, we're still in a tricky time, you know, for a lot of businesses, it's a yeah. really tricky time. Um, and so last month I launched uh, Organise Yourself Out of Overwhelm course. Um, so we're starting to get people go through that and they're starting to see some results, which is great. Um, and you know, obviously in my tech business, continuing with the software, and that's really important as well because one of the things we do is every year we offer a certain number of licenses and support to not-for-profits mm-hmm. because we also, I also am part of a not-for-profit, um, the Canberra Period Project, and I know how hard it is to get funds and to be able to do all the things you need to do in a not-for-profit. So it's important for us that we're supporting not-for-profits or those community agencies. They might not be strictly not-for-profits, but, you know, those kind of community agencies to be able to share what they do and run their business more effectively and efficiently and um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, and then just keep sharing, you know. I think like I was talking about before, just keep sharing what I'm doing, being the change that I want to see in the world um, and then sharing that with on the socials and with my kids and with, you know, the community. I think that's, I think that's important to just keep doing that as well. And I, I think my, uh, my shirts had an impact on you there, Louise. Yes, I think so. <laughs> Being the change, you know, you can grab these at Ethical Change Agency, by the way. Ah, uh, self designed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're wearing one yourself. What do you, what, what do you got going uh, on there? It's a Tony Robbins Live with Passion. All oh, right, right. Well, yeah. I'm not quite. Tony Robbins, but you know, you no. can be the change. You can grab yours. Um, and uh, you know, anyone who's on the podcast gets a discount on the shirts, so you can grab oh, yours. Mm. Nice. I love yeah. the show. I'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to find out more about you, Louise, how can they do that? Uh, the best way is to either follow me on the socials, so Louise Ledbrook on Instagram, Facebook mostly, uh, LinkedIn. Um, also just go to louiseledbrook.com and you can see what I'm up to and all the things that I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, before, before I let you go, I do want to ask you about something that's a little bit left field here. Um, And that is this hustle culture that is driving me insane. Can Mm -hmm. I just say, Um, and I'm someone obviously, as you know, who runs an agency, runs a small business, has an online store, has a TV show, has a podcast, has a million other things in the air. 
Yeah. I'm goddamn sick of hustle culture. And oh. every time I open up social media, I am bombarded. Yeah. What's going on? Well, my theory <laughs> on the hustle culture is it's actually it's driven out of society, like truly the whole of society. And if we look at the organisations, it's not every organisation is like this, but there are a lot of organisations that if you're not if you don't look busy, if you're not rushing around, then you mustn't be doing your job. Mm. You know, like and and it's this whole like you know in Australia especially as well. You know, like. I work hard, you know, work hard, play hard, you know, and and also just think about the people that you come up to in the street. You go, how are you going? Oh, I'm so busy, you know. Mm. You speak so much. I'm so busy. It's almost like a badge of honour. Yes. You know, it's like that's just, you know, it's like so busy. Like as if anyone goes, oh, my God, I am so at peace and in flow. <laughs> like, no one <laughs> Do you like hear that, that very often? Do you hear that, though? I am <laughs> no. so zen, you know. <laughs> No, nobody says that. They only say I'm fine or I'm busy, Mm. you know. And so we've actually created this culture. Society has created this culture. Everything has to move so fast. There's everything has an urgency. And it's like, if I don't do it today, I won't do it. And someone else is going to beat me to it on the market. And like, everything has to happen yesterday because someone else is going to beat me to it. And we don't have enough faith in divine timing. Mm. We don't surrender to what is what the universe has planned for us. Like, and you know, like obviously, you and I understand that, and that's something that we probably embrace a lot more than other people. But we can't control time. Mm. We can't control it, but we can we can enjoy it. <laughs> you know, and so if you're hustling and that's not enjoyable, then something's not right. And so I, I just, I, I think it's that society is creating it. Media is creating it as well. Like everything is so, like I don't watch the news mm. because it's just, it, it spikes my cortisol yes. you know, unnecessarily. Yes. Like about things, you know, someone got shot and someone's been stabbed and this has been stolen. I'm like, oh, and, and that's just three examples mm. of, Thousands of those things happening in the world. So I'm like, why am I watching that? Mm. It's not enjoyable, you know. And so it's this we're constantly um, fed information that spikes our adrenaline. And so the hustle culture spikes our adrenaline constantly as well. And so to come down from that is hard. It's like coming off a drug, right? Mm. Mm. And so that's, I think that's, I think that's why it exists. Like we're all in this adrenaline drug all the time of hustle, um, and we because we don't know that it's nicer on the other side because we haven't had the chance to go there or we haven't given ourselves the chance to go there. And some people have realised, obviously, through the pandemic that it's really nice to go slow and some people have stayed there and other people really couldn't handle it and they're like, I'm missing my adrenaline, I need to get back to that, you know, like take me back to the hustle. Um because they never got there. They didn't allow themselves to get there. So I that's why I think it that's where it's coming from. Oh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> you know, like when, when the pandemic started, I found myself going from press conference to press conference and I went, oh, I cannot do this. I'm going down a rabbit hole that I can't come out of yeah. and this does not feel right. 
And no. pretty much since then I have not watched the news. Um, I yeah. just do not <laughs> look at commercial TV anymore. No. Um, but you know what? Social media and media in general has a lot to answer for. You know, like yeah. this influencer age and this, um, oh. you know, this, uh, you know, focusing on a moment you know, is is this anticipated, you know, moment that hasn't happened um, yeah. has a lot to answer for. And, you know, there's this, I don't know, it's like this, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't even stereotype kind of thing where you kind of are like, oh, I need to be like this if I'm going to be like this. You know, it's like, no, exactly. no, you do not. Um, yeah. And I swear to God, lately, every time I open social media, I am just I I just I just want to gasp with Ugh, you know like it's like I cannot look at this anymore any any time someone mentions hustle or yeah. side hustle or any of that kind of crap I'm just like <laughs> it's I like know. it's like I'm I'm triggered you know it's like, yeah so well, I, firstly just don't go on social media <laughs> and that's it you know so that's another thing that has to reduce at the moment as well so you know yeah. I, I'm glad we're on the same page there because I think yeah. that impacts a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs oh. at the moment. It really does. And especially the entrepreneur community, mm. it's like hustle is like, you know, that's definitely a badge of, badge of honour in the entrepreneur community. You're like, I'm hustling and I'm going getting funding and I'm working days and nights and, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, are you enjoying it still? Mm. And, and are you making really good decisions still? Like because when you're in that, you make decisions, but they're often really firefighting, yeah. reacting. You're not like they're not really intentional like you're not really thinking and stopping and going hang on like am I making a really good risk-based decision right now no I am reacting to the fire that's burning because I've had four hours sleep and I don't know how to not react because I'm on edge because I've had four hours sleep and I think we underestimate that as well the lack of sleep is also really prevalent in small business and entrepreneur community and it impacts that um, you just kind of feel jittery if you and you don't really you've been living it for so long it's the normal but you're just not it's harder to it's harder to re- relax your body is on overdrive trying to like just mm. heal itself because it couldn't heal itself when you were sleeping last night and and so it's we've just created this vicious cycle and we think it's cool like it just really isn't yeah <laughs> and, and the life of burnout is not a fun one I mean mm-hmm. you know physically emotionally you know it's it's not it's not fun and you know owning that you know as part of your business I don't think is cool uh, that exactly. does that does not equal success in any way and it's the people we allow ourselves to be mm. um, influenced by and that we that we watch on social media as mm. well like who are we watching on social media and and what communities are we in are they all hustlers well then how about you extract yourself from the hustler community oh, and yeah. find a community that embraces not working 100 million hours a week but still embraces getting stuff done but being efficient and productive. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's it is actually taking a look at, you know, what are you looking at? What are you following? What are you you actually consuming because that's impacting you and how you react. Exactly. Um, It is a huge thing. What goes in comes out. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. that amplification of what you're, what you're taking in, you're putting out. So uh, yeah. I think that's a big thing that you would probably see as well with uh, the businesses you work a with. A lot. Mm. Yeah, a lot. Mm. Yeah. 
So, Louise, uh, I've got the uh, last big question for you. Okay. You ready? ready. ready. (laughs) (laughs) What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Um, I think we've talked about it earlier. I think for me it's I want to see people taking notice and responsibility Mm. for how much they can take part in changing the planet. Like I, you know, it's about, like I said before, it's not the government's problem. It's every single human being's problem. I want people, and people are actively ignorant because Mm. they're choosing, they're going, it's someone else's problem. Yes. So I want people to start taking responsibility. I want to see people start taking responsibility. I don't care if it's this, you stop turning the tap on while you're brushing your teeth. Just do one thing, you know, (laughs) like recycle your stuff, you know, turn the lights off, just small things, they build up to become big things. Mm. Um, like single-use plastics is like just <laughs> Trigger. Like coffee cups, <laughs> yep. like chip packets and like, you know, when they send your kids to school with mini chip packets, I'm like oh, thousands <laughs> of kids around the world are putting mini chip packets in the rubbish every day. Like it's just like, yeah. I don't know, it's just unnecessary. <laughs> Sorry, my child is here helping me with my podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, and speaking of children, teaching your kids those things as well. So mm. then, once you start taking that action and responsibility, it is your responsibility to help others to do the same. So sharing with other people what you're doing, how big or small, it doesn't matter. Share it because you tell someone else, and then they tell another person, and then it spreads, and. Everyone takes a little bit of action and all of a sudden, you know, we're in a different world. <laughs> and that's it. Um, getting back to the grassroots, you know, and I think, you know, all the people that I've spoken to around the world, you know, about sustainability, the environment, making a change of any kind, we've not really looked at, you know, the next generation. Um, and whilst a lot of the next generation are really on board, I think yeah. this is something we need to get into curriculum you know like and and have kids actually being the leaders in this field and and like you know dealing with things like recycling sustainability um you know the decisions around you know how uh they choose to to spend their money you know when they go shopping um you know and and just just oh wow there's so many things that are not educated no in this field how to choose choosing how to spend their money is really important because mm. kids live in a very different world than when we were kids. Mm. They have so many toys as yes. well for starters. Yes. And and they're you know, they're basically landfill. You know, bits of plastic, these like tiny little toys that they get millions of. You know, you go to when like Woolies and Coles do these little, you know, ushy things. You're yeah, like, oh my oh, god. All I can see is plastic lamps, <laughs> although now Woolies makes them recyclable. Good on you, Woolies. Very mm. happy about that. But they weren't in the past. They would, and so the kids need to also make good decisions because there's this fad at the moment. These um, fidget toys. Oh yes, landfill, mm. single use plastic. They'll be done with them in six months, and then there'll be millions of them in landfill. It just ugh. And so you know, it's just about teaching kids how to make good decisions also about when a fad comes along or what toys they choose to buy and should it be a toy, you know? And so, yeah, I agree. Teaching them how to spend their money more effectively and really consciously is important. 
And I mean, how many um, parents do you see, you know, with with kids under five, and a, a backyard or a, a outdoor area just consumed with plastic toys, you know? And it's like, I, I just see it, and it just makes my heart sink. I'm just like, oh, lord, yeah. seriously. Yeah, I know. And look, I, I'm we have lots of toys in our house too. Some toys I've banned, <laughs> but you know, I'm like, no, this is plastic. But, um, but look, we still have toys in our house as well. Mm. But it's like also then teaching them, okay, so these toys have come in, you know, people have bought them for you. So what are you going to do with them when you're done with them? Mm. You know, and so also because they can have a new life with another child and just making sure that, that it does get recycled and reloved and all of these sorts of things as well. Yeah, and that's another big part of it is paying it forward, isn't it? You know, like yeah. when you're done with something, Give it to someone else if you don't need it anymore. Like don't just throw it into landfill. No. Yeah. And, you know, or, I don't know, be creative. If it's it's not good enough to give to someone else, how can you, I don't know, do a science experiment on it or do something. (laughs) Do something with it. It actually gets another life of some Mm. sort, you know. And same with clothes. Clothes is a terrible problem for landfill. So how can you upcycle your clothes and... Oh, so many different things. Oh, we could we, go on forever. <laughs> we could go on forever, can we, Louise? Yeah. Like, wow. Um, look, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the ethical evolution. Like, I just know we could just chat for hours. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, we better not bore people, right? Um, I don't yeah. think we would, though, but <laughs> I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've loved chatting. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.